Hello my fellow divers and welcome back to another episode of Crime Dive where we take a deep dive into crime. I'm your host Lexi, thank you so much for listening and watching. There were a few things that I wanted to say in my last video that for some reason I kind of forgot. I was just so ready to get into the case that sometimes I forget that you guys aren't going to know what's going on unless I tell you. So just a quick update on my uploading schedule. I'm going to be doing audio and video but I will be dropping the audio on Tuesdays. I just want to make sure that you guys get access to the episode as soon as possible earlier in the week. And then I will be dropping the video that goes with that audio on Thursdays on YouTube. We are going back to one case a week for now just until I get used to the recording process, the editing process, because it is a lot more putting these videos together versus uploading a podcast episode that's only audio. But thank you guys for being understanding. Hopefully we can get back to two cases a week. I much rather prefer quality over quantity. And when you're doing true crime, quality is of the utmost importance. So that way you can be respectful to the victims. So I'd rather spend more time on one case, one video during the week than try to just push out as many videos as possible. I apologize for not saying that in my first video. I really should have. I don't know why I didn't. Like I said, I think I was just trying to get into the case as quickly as possible. But with that, let's get right into the case. Today, we're going to be talking about grad student Jelani Day, who was unfortunately found dead in the Illinois River. This case sparks my interest so much. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. And it doesn't really seem like the police were being very helpful in this case at all. They definitely dropped the ball a lot in the beginning. They weren't really assisting the family very much. They weren't giving them a lot of updates or keeping in contact with them. And I understand they don't want to compromise the integrity of their investigation, but the way that they treated Jelani's family, it just wasn't okay. There's just a lot of unanswered questions and who knows if we'll ever get those answers. Jelani Day was born on June 15th, 1996 in Danville, Illinois. His parents' names were Save Day and Carmen Bolden Day, and he had four siblings. He was one of five. He was the second youngest. So he had a very big family. They were very loving. He had a lot of siblings and they were all very close and very tight-knit. Specifically, Jelani had a really close relationship with his mother. Him and his mother were very close and that continued well into adulthood. Jelani's family was very religious. They went to church. It was something that they did as a family and they got involved and so did Jelani. From a young age, he was involved in his church very heavily. He went to purity classes, Bible studies. He was a part of the drill team. He was in the choir. He just loved that sense of community that being at church gave him. Getting to do that with his family just made it all the more special. Jelani was described as being loving, thoughtful, smart, and outspoken. And he was a great guy. People loved Jelani. His family loved him. He loved them. As I said, Jelani was very smart. And upon graduating from Danville High School, he attended the University of Alabama A&M, where he decided to study speech pathology. He also ran track and field on the school's team, and he was really good at swimming. Jelani Jelani was very athletic and he just loved being active. It's very important to note that he was a good swimmer. Jelani also joined the fraternity Omega Psi Phi and he made some really great friends in this fraternity. He felt like he belonged. He was just really good at creating senses of community wherever he went. He was just a likable, friendly guy. So it wasn't hard for him at all to make friends wherever he went. Jelani graduated from the University of Alabama with the highest honors, which wasn't surprising at all because he's so smart. In the fall of 2021, when Jelani was 25 years old, he decided to attend Illinois State University in order to further his education for speech pathology. He really wanted to become a doctor. He was living in an off-campus apartment in Bloomington, Illinois, which was about an hour from where he was from in Danville. He was only an hour from his family, but he still made sure to see them whenever 
whenever he could. He was very close to them and he always visited them. But if there was one person that he was the absolute closest to, as I said, it was his mother, Carmen. They talked every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. This was their relationship and this is how they had been pretty much his whole life and this just carried on into his adulthood. If anything, when he went away to college, I think they talked a little bit more because he wasn't there. So they wanted to keep up that extra effort to make sure their relationship stayed strong. Things were going really well for Jelani. On August 23rd, 2021, Jelani was calling and texting with the Director of Clinical Education, Kara Boaster. She worked at Illinois State University and they were talking about his courses and just next steps and they were supposed to meet the day after on August 24th, 2021. But Jelani never showed up for their meeting. And they were set to meet the following day before his one o'clock class, but Jelani never showed up to the meeting. Now, Kara was kind of confused because that wasn't like him. She decided to text him to see where he was, but he never responded. So she just figured he'll call me back whenever he gets the chance. He'll text me. It's all good. But Jelani missed his class too. He never showed up to his one o'clock. So where was he? When Kara found out that Jelani missed his one o'clock class, she got really worried. Well, he was actually supposed to come see me the next morning. And when he didn't show up, I texted to see, you know, what was going on and he didn't answer me. So. I knew that they had class at one and so I waited for after class and he didn't show up and then he had a patient and he didn't show up for that and that is not at all something our grad students would do. She knew that something was wrong because he would never do that. She decided to get in touch with the university police so they could investigate because she knew Jelani, she knew he wouldn't just not show up to class, not show up to their meeting and not tell anybody. When you're in grad school, you don't miss class all willy nilly like you do in undergrad. You go because it's expensive, it's a lot of time and it's much harder. And Jelani didn't play about his studies, so she knew he wouldn't have just done this. On August 25th, 2021, Jelani's family decided to report him missing to the police because they realized that they hadn't spoken to him in a couple days. And like I said, it was normal for Jelani and his mother Carmen to talk on a daily basis. And the fact that she hadn't heard from him in two days, she knew something was wrong. She called him and texted him and he didn't get back to her. She knew something wasn't right. Police began searching for Jelani because they kind of got the feeling that maybe there was something a little bit off. So they decided to go search his apartment along with Jelani's older brother. And they didn't find anything out of place or anything significant that looked worrying, but they did notice that his car wasn't there. And his car was a 2010 white Chrysler 300. Now he and his car are both missing. Eventually police came across security footage from August 24th, 2021, the day Jelani went missing. And there were two sightings of him on that day. One was at the Bone Student Center on the Illinois State University campus. Jelani was seen around 7.20 a.m. and he was wearing a blue button up shirt, black pants and black dress shoes, and he had a medical mask over his face. The second sighting was at 9, 12 a.m. and Jelani was seen entering the Beyond Hello dispensary in Bloomington, Illinois. And he was spotted on the security cameras in the parking lot entering the building and the camera inside of the building. He was wearing a Jimi Hendrix graphic t-shirt, gray shorts, a blue Detroit Lions baseball hat, and black sneakers. On the parking lot camera, you can actually see his white Chrysler 300 in the background. People thought it was a bit odd that Jelani was wearing something completely different just a few hours later when he was first seen at the Bone Student Center and he was dressed up a lot nicer. But it's normal to go and change your clothes in between classes sometimes. It's one of the perks of living near your school is you're able to go back, change clothes, and come back to campus and be fine. So maybe he just wanted to dress down into something a little bit more comfortable. But some people theorized that Jelani knew he wasn't going back to campus 
or to class that day. He did end up missing his class at 1 p.m. as well as his meeting with Kara Boaster. Did he change because he knew he wasn't going back to campus or did he change with every intent on going back to campus and something happened in between that time? On the surveillance footage from inside the dispensary, you can see Jelani look up directly at the security cameras and a lot of people have thought this was very, very odd. People have definitely wondered why he did this. Some people believe that he just happened to look at it by coincidence, or maybe the dispensary requires you to look at the camera just so they have your ID, they know who you are. Or maybe Jelani wanted a record of himself being there because he felt like he was unsafe or he was in trouble. Jelani's family felt like police weren't doing enough to find him because they were kind of saying that, oh, you know, maybe he just left on his own. Maybe he was just stressed and he wanted to get away. But Jelani's family knew that he wouldn't do something like that, especially without getting a hold of them first. He wouldn't just abandon his studies, abandon his life. He wouldn't do that and not tell someone at least. On August 26th, two days after Jelani went missing, his car was found on a wooded path in Peru, Illinois. And his car was found by a high school student that was actually walking along this wooden path going to work at a YMCA. Now they actually saw his car the night before, the night of the 25th, when they first went into work or when they left work, either or. They thought it looked odd, but they didn't say anything. But when the car was still there, there the next day, they knew that something was off. So they decided to report it to the front desk person at the YMCA and ultimately decided to contact police. This was a bit weird. Why was Jelani's car all the way in Peru, Illinois, which is about an hour from where he lived in Bloomington? It was clear that Jelani's car was being hidden in the woods. It looked like somebody was trying to conceal it and didn't want somebody to see it, but ultimately that did not work. One thing that was strange about the car was the fact that it had been stripped of its license plates. Its license plates were completely gone, which is very weird. Inside the car, they found a blue plastic straw, a Mary Jane cigarette, a journal, and the outfit that Jelani was wearing at the dispensary that day. So did Jelani change a third time? The clothes that he was last seen wearing are in the car, they're not with him. Did he change again? Is he not wearing clothes at all? I mean, what's going on? The contents of that journal have not been released, but according to police, they said there was no note found inside indicating that he had taken his own life. Carmen said that Jelani started writing in this journal in 2016, but there were only two entries in it for 2021 of that year. Jelani's cell phone and wallet were still missing, and the fact that they weren't found with his clothes or his car is definitely a cause for concern. Police decided to canvas the area that Jelani's car was found in, but they didn't find anything significant. They did, however, take DNA samples from the door handles of the driver's side and the passenger side, as well as the steering wheel. It was very odd that Jelani's car was found in Peru in the first place. Carmen said that he didn't know anybody over there. None of them did, none of her kids did. There was no reason why Jelani should be in Peru, Illinois. So what was his car doing there? The next day, August 27th, the police notified the public that Jelani's car had been found. And now that they had a more clear area of where to look, they asked the public to be on the lookout for anything around there that looked suspicious. And that's when someone came forward that lived in LaSalle County, which is near where Jelani's car was found. And they came forward with the surveillance footage from their home when they weren't there. A young black male walking up to their home, knocking on the door, and when no one answered, just walking away. They didn't know if this was Jelani or not, but they thought it would be important to bring forward just in case it was. Jelani's family really felt like the police still just were not doing enough in order to find him. Carmen said that two days after Jelani went missing, she received a call from a detective and this was on a Friday. And this detective said that if he didn't hear anything new or any updates in Jelani's case, that he was going home for the weekend and that he would talk to her on Monday. 
What do you mean? What do you mean? Do you not know the earliest days of an investigation in a missing persons case, especially, are the most important. That's when the person's tracks are the hottest. With each second, each passing minute, each passing hour, that person's tracks get colder and colder and it becomes harder to find them. So the fact that he was just gonna go home for two days and not even do anything or not try is very mind boggling to me. And Carmen said that she could not believe that an investigator said this to her. And that only people that was looking for my son was me, my children, my friends, people I didn't know. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to plan a search party. I didn't know where to look at. I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know how to do anything, but I was doing everything that I thought that I knew how to do. So she's like, no, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna go find my son. So Carmen decides to organize a search and she goes on social media, makes a post and asks for the community's help. By this point, she was feeling really alone. The police were just gonna go home after only a day of searching because Jelani wasn't reported missing until the 25th. Like you're gonna go home at the most crucial point in the investigation. Carmen also decided to put out a $25,000 reward for anybody that had any information that could help find Jelani. On September 2nd, Jelani's wallet was found in Peru, Illinois, next to an Illinois State University lanyard. His clothes and his sneakers were also found along the Illinois River, just miles from where his car had gone missing. And it was found by two Illinois State University students. So the fact that his car, his wallet, his lanyard, his clothes and his sneakers had now been found is definitely a cause for concern. The clothes that he was wearing in the Beyond Hillow surveillance footage were found in his car. So I'm assuming that the clothes found along the river were a different set of clothes. It's very confusing and the investigators are definitely very tight-lipped about what's what. Now police took everything in as evidence and they did check his clothes for DNA, but it wasn't Jelani's. They haven't been able to determine whose DNA it was. On September 4th, Jelani's family and the police actually organized separate searches in different areas. Jelani's family was looking in Peru, Illinois, and police were looking in LaSalle County, which is very near Peru, Illinois. And at 9.47 p.m., the police found an unidentified body floating in the Illinois River, just a mile from where Jelani's car was found. The body was in a late stage of decomposition. So they weren't able to identify the person right away. This was likely due to the hot temperature outside and the fact that the body was found in the water, which definitely made it much harder to identify the person. As soon as Carmen heard that a body had been found, she did everything she could to speed up the process of the person being identified, just in case it was Jelani. She just wanted to know, which is very understandable. She sent over dental records, DNA, anything she could to speed up the identification process, but it still took a really long time. In fact, they went three weeks without even contacting Carmen with an update. Now I understand it may be a little bit harder to identify this person because they were in a late stage of decomposition, but at least let the family know, like say, hey, we're trying, we're working on it. I understand this is difficult. We wanna get this solved and figured out. But they were just not saying anything to her at all. So Carmen decided to call the coroner's office herself to get some updates. And they literally threatened not to identify the body if she called again. They said, do you wanna find out if this is your son or not? Like, what do you mean? Obviously, that's why she's calling. What I'm hoping for, but I understand there's a 50-50% chance. But at the time, so why are we waiting for the identity of this body? You just sitting there with your hands in your pockets and not doing nothing? And you want me to sit here and accept that? 
because that's my son out there somewhere and I don't know where he is. I don't know who has him. I don't know what they're doing to him. I know when Jelani gets cold, he breaks out in hives. I know Jelani likes to eat. He hungry. I know when I seen him in them shorts, what's going on with my child? I don't care that he's 25. That's my baby. And they didn't give two craps about my son. They didn't care. They didn't look for him. They were treating her like she was a bother or an annoyance when literally her child is missing and this could potentially be them. And you're over here making her feel like she's doing something wrong by inquiring about it when you're not even giving her any updates. Jelani's case was actually going on the same time as Gabby Petito's case. And I really wanted to bring up that point quickly. His case did not receive the same attention as hers by any means. It was very, very overshadowed. And it's not to say that Gabby's case didn't deserve attention, but it's just that every case deserves attention. I can imagine how difficult it was for his mother to watch Gabby Petito's family all over the news. She was all over social media while her son's case was being virtually ignored. I definitely think the public pressure and a lot of the publicity surrounding Gabby's case, it sped up the solving process and the investigation much more. But Jelani just wasn't getting that same attention and Carmen was really upset about it. On September 20th, 2021, police finally got in touch with Carmen and let her know that they were still trying to identify the body. Now, this wasn't exactly what she wanted to hear. I mean, it's been a few weeks by this point. She really wasn't expecting it to take this long and she really felt powerless and just helpless overall. So she decided to hire a private investigator because she figured this was going to be the best way to get some eyes on her son's case and hopefully have it solved. On September 23rd, 2021, the remains were finally positively identified as being that of 25 year old Jelani Day. And this was so heartbreaking for the family to hear. The fact that they had to wait so long and just the condition his body was in when he was found was just horrible for them to have to come to terms with. The LaSalle County Coroner's Office said that it took so long to identify Jelani because his body was in very poor condition and his teeth were in very bad shape as well. So this made it hard to use the dental records to identify him. Jelani's family, even though they knew that he was gone, it was definitely hard for them to come to terms with because they didn't know how it happened. I mean, there were so many things about this case that just didn't add up to them. They had a lot of questions, but they really weren't being told anything. I guess they were still waiting for the autopsy to come out. On October 21st, a memorial was held for Jelani at Danville High School, where he attended in his hometown. And the community really came out to show their support for the family. Now, Day's family remembered him as a loving family member, a supportive friend, and a bright student. Even though Day's body was found in the Illinois River over a month ago and his body was officially identified on September 23rd, investigators or, and the LaSalle County coroner have not released an official cause of death. Jelani was loved, he was a community man and people really cared about him. Hearing that such a young, bright man was taken so suddenly and no one knew how, it was just under such mysterious circumstances. It was just sad. He was a grad student, he was going to school, he wanted to do well for himself and his life was tragically cut short. Now there were two autopsies conducted on Jelani. And the first one was conducted on September 5th by forensic pathologist, Scott Denton. He came to the conclusion that Jelani's cause of death was drowning. 
They found no signs of trauma on his body, indicating that he was alive when his body entered the water. They also found that the soft tissue around his eyes was missing, and this could have been due to the fact that the conditions he was found in were very poor, such as the weather and the temperature of the water. The second autopsy was conducted by Sergio Saratella, and he was an independent pathologist that was hired by Father Michael Flager, a Catholic priest who really connected with Jelani's case. He couldn't stand the fact that he wasn't getting the same attention as a lot of cases that were going on at that time. So he decided that he wanted to do something about it. And he decided to hire his own pathologist to see if they could figure out what happened to Jelani. But he came to the same conclusion. Jelani's cause of death was drowning and there were no signs of trauma found on his body, indicating that he was alive when he entered the water. Now, the cause of death really didn't sit right with Jelani's family because they knew him to be such an avid swimmer, so it just wasn't adding up for them. On October 8th, 2021, the Chicago Sun-Times decided to release an article speaking about Jelani's autopsy, and they said some very interesting things. They claimed that both rows of Jelani's teeth were missing, his eyes were gone, his jawbone had been sawed out, his organs were liquidated, and they were gone. When this article came out, this was actually around the time that I heard about the case because it sounded very shocking to me that somebody's organs had been taken out. This is personally when I feel like the case really started to pick up and be seen on social media a lot more. It started to look like a case of organ harvesting, which was very, very crazy to even think about, especially considering the fact that Jelani was an African-American male. And if you've seen the movie Get Out, you kind of know what I'm hinting at, but this article was wildly inaccurate. There wasn't a lot of context around what happened and why his organs weren't in his body during the autopsy. And that's because his organs weren't in his body during the second autopsy. After Scott Denton performed the first autopsy, he didn't put Jelani's organs back to be reviewed for a second time by Sergio Saratella. Now, I don't know if he was supposed to put the organs back in there or not. I, I don't know how that process or that protocol works, but his organs were not missing when his body was initially found in the Illinois River. They just weren't put back in. Without context, it definitely seemed like a case of organ harvesting, but this was not the case at all. The Chicago Sun-Times just didn't give a lot of context surrounding the article, probably so that it could sound much more salacious than it was. On August 25th, 2021, the LaSalle County Coroner's Office released their final autopsy report on Jelani, and they concluded once again that his cause of death was drowning. But the manner of death was undetermined, and they were solely going off the fact that they couldn't find any other cause of death, including any wounds, scratches, marks. So it really was more so like the process of elimination because they couldn't find anything else and his body was found in the water. That's just what they decided to go with. It makes me wonder if he hadn't been found in the water, what would his cause of death had been then? Now, Jelani had been in the water for 11 days. So by this point, a lot of forensic evidence had definitely washed away. There just wasn't a lot to really see and go off of. But it does make you wonder what evidence that could have been found on him to help solve his case is just gone now. His toxicology report was conducted in a lab in Pennsylvania, and it concluded that Jelani had tested positive for nicotine, caffeine, and Mary Jane. Now this wasn't shocking considering the fact that a Mary Jane cigarette was found in his car and he had just visited a dispensary right before he went missing. But this didn't really tell investigators anything. There wasn't really anything 
to go off of there. Jelani's family really wasn't happy with these results. They knew him to be a great swimmer. They knew that he wouldn't have done this to himself. So they really just wanted to know what else happened. There has to be something else that you're not investigating further. They almost felt like the police was suggesting that Jelani had done this to himself, which they knew he wouldn't do. As far as they knew, he didn't have any mental health issues. And I know that they can be easy to hide, but he talked to his family almost every day, especially his mom. They still want to create this narrative that he did something to himself and he did not. He was too focused on wanting to become Dr. Jelani Day to make sure his mom was okay, to make sure his dad was okay, to make sure he was okay. Even if Jelani had been struggling and did take his own life, wouldn't he have called his family or texted them or gotten a hold of them one last time before he decided to do this? This doesn't add up considering how close he was to his family. You think he would have visited them one last time? And why are we not talking about the fact that his license plates were gone? That's very, very sketchy. I definitely feel like the police did not look at Jelani's case as a foul play case very early on. And it definitely caused them to ignore very key evidence, such as his license plate being gone, his car being hidden down a wooden path in an area that he wasn't familiar with at all. I feel like if they had looked at this case as a foul play case from the beginning, maybe they would have had more of this evidence come into play during their investigation. I definitely feel like they kind of disregarded these things because they just assumed that Jelani just went off on his own. Jelani's family decided to partner with the Reverend Jesse Jackson and the Rainbow Push Coalition in order to conduct a marching protest to push police to further investigate Jelani's case. They felt like they really ignored things and that there was more to the story. Now, I really wanted to make a very interesting point about this case. I feel like this isn't talked about enough. Just an element of history that's widely forgotten that really isn't in the history books at all and that is sundown towns. Sundown towns are known as towns that were populated by majority white people and what they do is they would sound an alarm at a certain time of day indicating that sundown is coming and all minorities have to get out of town and if they don't they're subject to arrest, beatings, or death. This was a very big thing between the 30s and the 60s before the Civil Rights Act was signed in 1964. <laughs> Sundown towns are not talked about at all. I really didn't know what they were until I saw a video somewhere and I was like, wow, how did we not learn about this? There's a lot that we don't learn about in school, but let me not get into that. But sundown towns were mainly used to keep the population of the town white and drive out the minorities and discourage them from living there, staying there, working there. Some people have argued that maybe Jelani was a victim of a sundown town, considering the fact that he was found in Peru, Illinois. Sundown towns were not just in the South, they were also in the Midwest as well. And Southern Illinois towns such as Peru were said to be sundown towns back in the day. Now I've heard that some still exist, but they are a bit more secretive. It definitely makes me wonder if this is what happened to Jelani. Some people have definitely posed this theory, but it hasn't been confirmed. But people have definitely wondered if Jelani was caught in the wrong place at the wrong time and was subject to being taken advantage of. 
On October 28th, the Peru Police Department announced that they had handed over all case files on Jelani to the FBI in order for them to check into it. But the FBI said that they would not be looking any further into Jelani's case. They felt like given everything that they had found in the case files, they came to the same conclusion that Jelani's cause of death was drowning and that maybe there just wasn't enough evidence to find another cause of death. On November 11th, Carmen revealed in an interview that Jelani's phone had been found, but his phone had actually been found on October 17th, almost a month before that, but she wasn't told until that day. Jelani's phone was found by a man who had pulled over on Illinois Interstate 55. He was pulling over to secure a mattress on top of his car when he found a phone that was shattered on the side of the road. He decided to take the phone to Walmart and see how much money he could get for it. And he got around $80, but he was soon contacted by police because they found out that that phone actually belonged to Jelani Day. Police haven't been able to get inside of Jelani's phone because the software that they would need to get inside only works for iPhones up to the iPhone 11. Jelani had the 12 Pro Max, so they weren't able to get inside. They were able to use his Verizon cell phone data to pull any information that they felt would be necessary. And they found that Jelani's phone turned off at 9.21 a.m. on August 24th, the day he went missing. This was around the time he was seen at the dispensary, one of the last times he was seen alive. They also pulled 23 chats, 17 messages, and six important phone numbers. But as of now, they haven't been able to determine the significance of these messages or numbers. In December of 2021, the Jelani Day Task Force was announced to further look into his case, and the FBI decided to offer a $10,000 reward for anybody that had substantial information that could lead to solving Jelani's case. Carmen had actually found surveillance footage at the YMCA the night Jelani went missing, where Jelani's car was found. She saw in the video a pickup truck that looked pretty suspicious to her. This pickup truck was seen idling next to a car that looked very similar to Jelani's, and then it just sped away. A witness from the YMCA, a woman, came forward and said that she saw the exact same thing. Police decided to look into this further, as well as obtaining a search warrant for all of the mobile devices found near this area or near Jelani's car at that time, but they didn't find anything significant. As of now, we still don't know what happened to Jelani. His case remains a mystery. All they have is that he died due to drowning from undetermined means. Jelani's father unfortunately passed away in April of 2022 from leukemia, and it's heartbreaking that he'll never get to find out what really happened to his son. On May 16, 2022, the Jelani Day Act was passed in the Illinois State Senate. It required a coroner or a medical examiner to notify the FBI if they could not identify remains after 72 hours. It took the LaSalle County Coroner's Office weeks, almost a month, to identify Jelani. They were struggling to do it and they probably should have called in help sooner, but they decided not to. They wanted to do it on their own. And this really cost them a lot of time. In April of 2023, Jelani's family created the Jelani Day Foundation Scholarship that grants a $500 scholarship to students at Danville High School in Danville, Illinois, where Jelani was from and attended. They did this to honor Jelani's desire to give back to the community. As I've been saying, he was a very community people-oriented guy and he really wanted to help others reach their goals because he was very goal-oriented and driven in what he did. On May 8th, actually two days before I'm recording this video, the first recipient was actually granted the Jelani Day Scholarship, which is amazing. 
anything. This case is very upsetting. I hate that there aren't more answers and there's not more to go off of. I definitely think the police dropped the ball in certain areas. Had they investigated this case a little differently in the beginning and not ignored certain key pieces of evidence, they probably could have found Jelani sooner or a cause of what really happened to him. It's so sad that his family was so close-knit. They were so tight and together and to have a piece of that family missing that isn't going to come back is just sad to think about. I can't imagine how different their holidays are, their birthdays are, just their daily life. Him and Carmen talked every single day and to have that one day and for it to just be gone the next, I can't even begin to fathom how hard that is for her and her family. You can tell that they absolutely loved each other. They absolutely loved their brother and their son, Jelani, and he seemed like such a great, driven young man. The world really does need more people like him, and the fact that he's gone now just isn't fair, and I hate that we don't have more answers. I honestly hate that I have to wrap up this case here, but with that, we are going to go ahead and end this video and this podcast. If you guys are listening and if you're watching, thank you so much for returning back to the water. We'll be back next week with another video and episode, and I hope to see you in the water soon.